Welcome one, welcome all. I'm Shyam, he's Chris, this is Fan Team Radio. Today we're breaking down the 2023 Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. We're going to give our thoughts on the final race of the season. We're going to highlight the final driver standings. And we're going to give our early bird spe- uh, special predictions for next year. Chris, what's up? Yeah, the last race of the season. A um, little bit bittersweet. Uh, wasn't as exciting as Vegas because there wasn't too many horses in the race. And uh, my, my, my only biggest comment is going to be, I don't know whether Max Verstappen is the biggest genius in the world for being so aggressive for so long or that Charles Leclerc is just the biggest, softest teddy bear in the world because he literally had that overtake on that lap one, turn one, and the, I think it was like turn four. He had the inside. He was ahead. He just like kind of lets Max go by, and I was like really upset that he didn't just like outbreak him, put the like even if they crashed out of the race, who cares? This is the last race. Just go for it. I like. I think Max is like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the expectation is that Max will just never back out of a corner. And Charles is like, uh oh, I gotta stop. Like, come on, man, just overtake him. You probably don't win the race either way, but. Oh, I, I kind of wish he had done that. Even the announcers the whole time were like, what the hell is going on here? But it is what it is. I think I think I got a solution for this one. I think in the offseason, Charlotte Leclerc should go to voluntary Navy SEALs training. Just Bud's training with uh, David Goggins. Just, 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 yeah, just go straight into it. Just go off the grid, like give your Instagram account to like your manager to to handle, make it seem like you're still around. Take a couple of pictures beforehand and have him just like intermittently just send it out. You know, him in Bali, him in Quebec, him in Denver, you know, <laughs> just, just, just all the spots, the destination spots and just go get some sort of tenacity just dry i don't know how you learned that because i feel like max got it from his dad over a prolonged period of time and maybe some navy seals training would be the equivalent like when i'm having just for stappen as your like father? like like when accurate. goku and vegeta went into the hyperbolic chamber to fight cell and it helped them kind of expedite the training time or condense it into a matter of hours in human world. Maybe that's what a summer with the seals would do for Charlotte Claire. I mean, that's really the only way that I see him overtaking max in any dimension in, 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 in in any world in that corner, which he clearly, he seems like he has the car to keep pace the the car's pace wasn't really the issue for Ferrari in 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 this race. Um, it wasn't a matter of reliability. I feel like they've struck a good chord with that in the past few races. Nothing's failed on them. I don't think this was a bad luck thing. I think we always chalk it up to bad luck with him, and 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 for good measure too. But I think a lot of this had to do with what you just mentioned, the lack of tenacity that's kind of baked into him to overtake someone like Max, especially when he he wasn't at a disadvantageous place, you know? Um, I mean, the, you the commentator, see- yeah, the commentators mentioned it a few times as it happened. Um, I don't think ra- the team radios mentioned it, or if they did, it wasn't, you know, broadcasted. Um, but I feel like after that, Max just kind of handedly ran away with it yeah you just need to be more like sergio and when you get to a turn just don't turn like and that way you either smash into lando or in this case max or you know you just what i've learned about f1 is like 80 percent of the time is better to just ask for forgiveness afterwards than to ask for permission at any moment in time at all throughout the weekend dude like the for my if you're not if you're not hitting the apex and making an excuse after the fact you're not trying hard enough bro like that time like i know you're a big lewis fan but in 2021 when 
Lewis just like straight up cut the corner and like went across in front of Max and then like he was supposed to give the place back, but then the stewards were like, nah, it's fine. It's like sometimes you just have to take that risk, man. Sometimes you have to be like, hey, I'm gonna cut the corner. I'm gonna freaking make a mistake. I'm gonna hit this guy. You know, we'll let the the volunteer stewards figure it out. <laughs> and 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 that's the sport. Uh, I mean, a lot of interesting, <laughs> a lot of interesting spots in this, uh, in this race. It was uh, a little bit lackluster, Chris. I agree with you. It wasn't the most exciting race to close out the season. I think it has all the makings to be an exciting race because that's what we saw in twenty twenty, uh, or twenty twenty one. Chris, keep me honest here. Um, Go TP represent. Yeah, but what I saw today that really stood out to me was some of the. Some of the last mile efforts uh, by teams needed to uh, kind of scrunch up that the point standings. Um, some of the funnier parts were the use of the fuck uh, Russell uh, asking, you know, where's Lewis at? His team responding with something that I, I couldn't decipher really either. Uh, and he goes, what the fuck does that mean? How are we doing a championship? Are we good? Which two they responded with another cryptic message that kind of left him hanging. <laughs> I don't understand why they didn't just tell him like, hey man, we're kind of in a struggle. If you could really kind of just focus in on the end of the race, that'd be really helpful. Delivered in a way that doesn't leave him hanging or piss him off. Cause I feel like maybe that would have had like an opposite effect in that moment on on on, on him. Um, and then Leclerc at the end, <laughs> I do some donuts. No, no burnouts. Ah, oh, for fuck's sake, not even this. Like, that was hilarious. That was sad. It, it kind of encapsulates the entire season for him and for Ferrari. Um, I mean, Leclerc I also had a, to do some donuts. Yeah, like, but Leclerc had a moment right before that on the radio, too, where he's like, um, man, gets completely blanked on what he said. Like, he, he, he was basically like, where are we in the standings? They're like, and they were. Oh, yeah, he was strategizing like, Russell Crowe from Brilliant Mind, bro. He was like, hey, man, I'm going to think us into P2. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, but if I can't will like, us, I'm going to think us into it. Oh, yeah. I remember what it was. They they asked him. They were like, put your car in mode slow. And he's like, yeah, I don't, I don't fucking care about mode slow. Tell me the information. Are we fucking P2 or P3? And it's like, I don't get why these engineers, just like with what happened with Russell, or like withholding information, like just tell us what we're we're the ones out here putting their freaking I mean, energy, lives, and bodies on the, the line. The like, team's getting ready to go like party at like the the dopest spot in town, dude. Have you ever seen Don't the movie you Days worry. of Thunder? Yeah, it's that it's, it's that moment where uh, God, what's his name? Where uh, Tom Cruise's uh, guy is fucking just eating a popsicle trackside, and he's like. Look, he's like, when do I pit? When do I pit? Or whatever like that. And he's like, I don't know. I'm eating a pot. Um, we're eating ice cream. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> dude. I didn't rewatch that movie, dude. That's been that's been a while. Dude, it's a fantastic a film, but like, it's a good it's movie. That, it's that that moment where these guys are like, look, Charles Leclerc is strategizing from the cockpit, doing math in his head. Five second penalty. You know, how can we get P two? Can I back up Russell? And the engineers are just like, mm hmm, yep. It's like, what the fuck? Like, there's a championship on the line. I guess these massive billion dollar organizations, I guess they don't really care between P2 and P3. But uh, I mean, they they don't have the luxury of, of not caring whether they're in P2 or P3. They, they got to get as far up the ranks as possible. Of course. Um, another two funny spots, uh, both involving Hamilton, um, is, you know, Hamilton hits. Uh, Gasly, uh, Gasly as Gasly like has a has a lockup. His first which, break uh, check of the of the race. Yeah, and and he makes contact with Gasly and surprisingly has no performance degradation. On so the car. this is my number one take <laughs> of the whole season. Get rid of the, the fucking wings as quick as you can and use it to, as weapon to take out your opponents. The front end plates of a could be F1 weaponized wing are useless. Do you know how many times this season those have been broken off or hit or hanging off of someone's car and the car is at full <laughs> racing speed for the rest of the race? I'm like, yeah. those things are basically just don't, shouldn't even be there. They're cosmetic. They look cool. 
Yeah. Imagine, course. imagine an F one car without wings in the front. That would look so weird. They're for sponsors, bro. That's all they're there yeah, for. Yeah, it would look so unfinished. Um, but also, again, later on in the race, Alonso brake checks Hamilton, which is really weird, and they called it out. Uh, this is like this is you know I didn't expect that at all. I think it was trying um, to pull a Charles versus Max, like DRS line chicken. Do you remember that race? From I, I mean I. Yeah, no, I remember. It's just, it's just like, and the commentators, uh, you know, said their piece on it. But it, that seemed kind of dangerous between two drivers. Oh, it's absolutely old. dangerous. Uh, but like you said, ask for forgiveness, not permission. Nothing yep. happened to him. He fucking brake checked at fucking two hundred miles per hour, three hundred kph or whatever, and didn't even get a slap on the wrists. So, hey, I man, mean, you gotta shoot your shot sometimes. You know, Lewis preserved his third place position which uh i i guess is a win um all things considered uh and i know that he put in a really tough uh amount of work across the year kind of going ups and down so being able to deal with the down after an up i think is just as hard if not even more so than going through lulls of downs or is it consistent just because like, you get this false hope, and I think dealing with false hope over and over again over a stretch of season can can have its toll on, on someone that has dealt with success for such a long time. So it seems like Lewis has all the gears in place to be able to deal with this in, in a way that can progress the team forward. Um, I hope the same can be said for Toto, even though he's been kind of sh- the stress has kind of been showing his seams lately. Um, but but maybe you know the the talk. German in him will will right size things uh, in in short count. We, yeah, um, I mean, we could talk more about this in like maybe our season wrap up. But uh, I think Toto has checked out personally. I think he's looking for his next opportunity within the FIA or whatever it may be. And I think he's uh, just kind of riding the coattails until that happens. But for it's an interesting thing uh, with Lewis Hamilton because. If you look at the TV coverage and you look at the season under like from a holistic view, like Lewis would say he's like ready to throw that car away. Mercedes have already said that the W15 won't use a single piece from the W14. They're basically throwing the car away and starting over from scratch because screw that car. It's a shit box. And like when you think about Lewis's season, like he didn't win a race. Uh, it's the first time Mercedes has had a winless season since like forever and all of that but they're still lewis is still third which is basically you know he could probably in a perfect world he could beat sergio in that in that car if he had had a little bit better season but like third is the best you could do when against the red bull car when it's that fast on the track so it's like you think he has the shittiest season in the world but he's still p3 in the constructors which is kind of the best he could do in that car so it's still an interesting thing when you think someone has a shitty season yet they're at the top of the standings, you know, P2 and constructors, P3 and drivers. So, uh, like, all in all, not that bad, but it just feels terrible. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like with him, this year was still considered a progress relative to last year where George kind of had a string of P5s and was kind of racking up consistent points and Lewis experimenting or the team was experimenting more so with Lewis's car. You know, I don't want to hang up too much on this because we have we have more to talk about, Chris. But you know, I I already expressed my hate towards the W14. Uh, definitely not a car that is going to be looked back on in, in kind of the grand scheme of good thing. Mercedes has a huge shelf of really great cars, uh, so it'll probably just be lost in the weeds. But I think they should have this car up front just to motivate them to 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 avoid a season like this again and go in the right direction uh, i think they need to go maybe back into a phase where they are kind of replicating some of the fundamentals of a red bull as much as i hate to say it it seems like that fundamentals of that car is really what's driving uh, a lot of Red Bull success and, and consistency. And maybe if under the certain rule sets, uh, that's just going to be kind of the way I don't think there's a 
I mean, I don't know enough about the engineering of F1 car, but I don't think there's going to be a whole lot that they're going to be able to do that's going to be completely bespoke Mercedes in, in order to kind of catch up to Red Bull and, and kind of overtake them by any means next year. But I think if they're to kind of further that gap between Ferrari uh, and, and make strides towards getting George and Lewis to have consistently great years, you know, it'll be it'll be something that's a little bit more realistic, I think, in my mind uh, to attain. Uh, I hope I'm wrong. I hope it's like a star studded off season and they just like strike gold uh, with uh, with a concept and upgrades that are just incredibly novel and, and great and can compete with Red Bull. But, you know, just being realistic here uh, with my expectations, I think the best that they're going to be able to hope for is a really, really, really outstanding second place that furthers the delta between Ferrari and McLaren uh, and maybe closes in the gap consistently with Red Bull with both drivers doing really well. Uh, any other thoughts on the on the race, Chris, that, that, that you want to share? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we've kind of just summed it up pretty well. Like the race, like we talked about, is ultimately – uh, only as exciting as it was because of the few small point races that we had going on and uh you know the the drivers were taking it upon themselves to make it a little bit more interesting but you know ultimately we had everything pretty locked up at the end of uh vegas we kind of understood where everyone was going to be and it, it wasn't like the worst race of the season but you know it's hard to get engaged into it but um yeah, I th- those are my thoughts on the race. Cool. I mean, let's talk about something a little bit more exciting. So P1 obviously locked up by Max Verstappen. P2, uh, 50-point you know, lead by Sergio Perez over Lewis Hamilton. They kind of decided that about two races ago. P4, though, was a little bit more exciting, especially uh, you know, for the F1 watcher that, that gives a shit. Uh, separated by a mere six points across um, Fernando, Charles, Lando, and Carlos Sainz. Uh, Carlos came in at 200 points. Uh, you know, definitely we'll talk about him a little bit more uh, on the winners, losers, hot seats uh, in my segment. Lando and uh, came, you know, just one point short of both Charles and Fernando. He had a pretty rough uh, uh, end of the of the of the the race for him. Um, and Fernando and Charles, you know, technically tied, but I guess because Fernando reached the the point set earlier, he gets the position in P4. Uh, really tight coupling there. I think that kind of points a little bit towards the uh, the the positive side of the of the the budget caps. Um, obviously, you see that there are some outliers that that I'd like to point out in terms of Oscar Piastri scoring ninety seven points. Uh, handedly, you know, uh, above any of the rookies, the next closest one was, you know, Liam at two points, uh, Logan at one point, Nick at zero points. Uh, so, so, you know, just a really, really outstanding kind of performance from Oscar. Uh, you can see that both Pierre and Esteban are coupled closely together in P11, P12. Uh, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about that at the end of season and how Alpine uh, was affected by that. But yeah, Chris, you know, where do you see Carlos Sainz and and George Russell's race kind of impacting uh, the the overall uh, landscape of P4? Uh, Do you think in in the Constructors' Cup is what I'm talking about, uh, given the fact that, you know, they're so close Mercedes and Ferrari and both of the P1 drivers, uh, Charles and and Lewis kind of put in as much as they could, uh, it seemed like, Carlos could have done more for the team today to finish further up the rankings. It just seems like his car wasn't really there. And it also seems like George, despite the lackluster season that he's had, was able to offer a little bit of redemption here and keep the team in a steady place to be able to maintain the the P2 position, uh, you know, which was incredibly close this season. And, and I wish it wasn't that close, quite honestly, given the fact that uh, I really want Mercedes to, to be able to pull that gap with Ferrari. But it was only three points, 409 against 406. Chris, what are your thoughts? Do you think that this is uh, all on the shoulders of Carlos and George? Do you think that the last 
race of the season had any merit to it, given the fact that P4 uh, for the the drivers was so close, uh, and and that did impact the 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 P uh, the P3 P4 positions in the constructors Cup. Uh, talk to me about it. What, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think I think Carlos has had uh, a little bit of bad run towards the end of the season like obviously hit the drain chicane in vegas and uh you know had to take a 10 place grid penalty and you know he had the the dns and qatar and all that so it was like i don't think in in this race specifically i think carlos suffered a little bit with a uh, some engineering hopefulness like they had the team radio where carlos was like what are we doing like why haven't we pit and they're sitting there over the radio going, like, we're kind of hoping for a safety car because a lot of the guys ahead of him had pit and were behind him. So they were hoping to get, like, a free pit stop, which I thought was a little ambitious in this race, given that we didn't – I don't think we saw a lot of potential for safety cars. It's not, like, a tight street track and all that. Like, we did see a couple of crashes in practice and, and quality, but, like, I think they worked those kinks out, so – I don't know. Like, I think, I think he could have done a little bit more in this race. Um, they maybe could have positioned themselves a little better. And I think George did a really good job uh, keeping it, but you know, ultimately I think things ended up where they should. Um, I think Mercedes probably just had a better season overall than Ferrari. And I don't think Ferrari is, you know, as like gutsy and stuff like that as Mercedes. Like, obviously I think Lewis and George both, our potential, you know, uh, like obviously Lewis is a champion. He's one of the best drivers of all time or the best driver of all time. Uh, and, you know, Russell has that that fire to be that champion as well. And I think, you know, Charles and uh, Carlos are lacking something a little bit um, in that same vein. So I think, you know, ultimately things ended up where they should have. But, um, you know, Ferrari's, Ferrari has had the better car, but they just keep, they keep making fundamental team mistakes and engineering mistakes and strategy mistakes. So, you know, I, I, I'm glad that things ended up where they were. I was just surprised and shocked about the, the, the P4 race ending up where it did, where uh, maybe I'm jumping ahead here, but just like uh, how uh, Lonzo held on to that P4 position in, in the drivers, um, for for all that the points that they earned at the beginning of the season and kind of had a really terrible end of the season but yeah between Ferrari and Mercedes I think that uh things ended up where they should have and Carlos just had a really rough end of the year yeah it, it was uh, a stark difference from Singapore uh I think it's hard to say that Charles does uh, I mean uh, sorry that Carlos doesn't have all the makings of a champion and in terms of like grit because I think he does have the grit I just don't think he has that extra level that's needed to be the world champion and that was kind of exposed today uh or sorry this week uh we're, we're recording days later but Charles today or <laughs> this race showed that he has the makings of being a world champ, but is missing the aggression. I think with Carlos, he has the aggression, but that natural, I guess, extra talent that's needed on track uh, during race day, not qualifying, but like on race day. I think that is just subpar to, to Verstappen and, and Alonso and Hamilton. Uh, probably at that George Russell level uh, at best. But Charles is missing that aggression. I feel like one can be taught and the other cannot be, Chris. And, yes. and you let, let me know your thoughts. I think the aggression can be taught. And all joking aside with the Navy SEALs training, I think there is a way to trigger t- Charles, Charles in a way to make him a little bit more aggressive to probably put him in situations where like he should like repetitively maybe like in a in a really low risk situation where like you know it's like in in a you know in a souped up go-kart or something like that and and keep going like in a way where it's like hey you have to overtake this person and we're going to set like the course in a way that like kind of mimics 
you know, the same way that like I guess a basketball or football player would do it, like right, like if you're weak at a certain point of your game, like you repetitively do that in the off season. That's what you're paid to do, you know. Like it, it, it it's you got to get to the point where it's just boring. I think Max does a really good job of getting everything to a place where it's boring for him. That's why you never see him. This dude's on a simulator all the time. Like he's getting it to a place where like he knows the he not just only knows the perfect racing line to take but he knows how to take that racing line in different scenarios where the stresses are more realistic whereas i think charles knows it but i don't think that he has the the kind of i don't want to say mental fortitude but for lack of better terms mental fortitude to to be as aggressive given the fact that he just hasn't done enough to get to the point where he thinks it's like you know, more or less boring. You know, what do you think, Chris? Do you think I'm, do you think I'm just like shitting bricks here, or like do you think do you think there, there's some validity to, to how I'm thinking about this? No, I think you're you're pretty accurate. I, I think one like my assumption is part of the problem is the Ferrari organization, uh, as we saw where uh, Charles wanted to do burnouts and they're like, no, no, no burnouts, and it's like, bro, shut the fuck up. Like, let the man do some burnouts. He's had a rough time at it. Like. And I think that that's part of it is like when you race for Ferrari, you have to like have a certain look and feel and you can't act a fool and do some burnouts and yada, yada, yada. And it's like, and I think that part of that is what, what tends to have these guys like sort of asking for permission about what to do. Like, like Charles is very much like, what do you, what do you guys think? You know, and Carlos for a long time was very aggressive and like saying, no, 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 I don't think we should do that. No, we shouldn't pit. No, all that kind of stuff. But even in this race, he's like, guys, I feel a little bit lost. What are we doing here? And it's like, you know, where's that Carlos engineering from the cockpit? Where's that aggression? And like, we need to win. This is important. Like, let's go, like make decisions on the fly. So, yeah, I think something needs to change because I do think, like you said, uh, I think Carlos has that mental fortitude but like just is missing that like you said that extra level and i think charles has that level and it's just missing that aggression and i just want to see like both of them come out swinging next year like i hope the car's a little bit more on even keeled and we could see that like four-way race between ferrari mercedes red bull and mclaren but like you know i i don't think ferrari has a shot at you know a championship until they like get out there and like put the car and take those overtakes when they have those opportunities like imagine if charles just doesn't refuses to back out of that turn even if he like locks up or goes wide or whatever and then max tries to pass him into the next turn and he refuses again to like give up the space now all of a sudden max is like i don't want to crash it out like i have to respect charles's like craziness here he's like being a little crazy instead max after the first turn when charles backed out max was like this guy's gonna back out every time which is exactly what sergio has thought all season is that people are just gonna get out of his way like they do for max and that's why sergio <laughs> has run into 12 people over the last few races he's a little reckless with that though dude yeah, that, that one that, race where he <laughs> hit like three people in the same race i was like sergio my man <laughs> what are you doing you gotta stop your car yeah, and no. he's like, man, it's all of their faults. Yeah. None of it was my fault. Dude, and I was like, dude, you got to at least claim one of them, man. Like, at I, least for, like, posturing's sake, you know? 100%. I'm, like, watching the replay of Sergio when he hit Lando. And he literally never turns the car. <laughs> the wheels don't turn. He just goes straight. And he's like, Lando, turn into me. And I'm like, okay, buddy. <laughs> okay, dude. Just, just keep it to yourself. At this point, man, like the third time's up. I, I mean, just sticking with the 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 cell Dragon Ball season, it sounds like based on your description of of uh, Carlos Sainz and and Charles Leclerc, that the best way for them to be able to deal with this is to to fusion up, become one person that takes the place of like Charles Leclerc with like Charles Leclerc's natural talent and Carlos Sainz's momentary aggression. And and marry those together, and then you'll get like the driver that Ferrari really needs to compete. That's exactly um, what they need. It sucks that 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 sh- shit like that's like 
not taught so easily it's really like you got to like force them into situations like that but i think that's where like repetitiveness and making things like really really elemental and boring like stresses become so boring because you've done it for such a long period of time like that's kind of what i like i guess that's what i was alluding to when i mentioned like the navy seals training is like you need to grit these motherfuckers down to a point where like like and i feel like ferrari like here's the thing like when everyone's a company man no one's like a real leader you know i really like the fact that like um Crap, why am I forgetting? I'm forgetting their um their principal's name. Oh, uh Fred Visser. Fred Visser. The fact that like he's French and like has like sort of like an outside perspective on like how to run a team, you know? I think that's gonna hopefully take shape more noticeably next year. I think there was kind of like the, the makings of it towards the end of this year, but he was still kind of left to, to work out a lot of the kinks from, from last, you know, kind of like the Mateo uh, legacy of it all. Um, so I, I have, I have higher hopes than, than, than most folks for Ferrari going into the future. I think like they'll definitely, they have a fast car. The, the earlier issue was like reliability, but it seems like they're able to, to fix pieces of that like they haven't really been like in a position in the last several races where like reliability was the issue and like the gearbox like fucked up or like you know the powertrain fucked up or anything like that what i am worried about is the fact that the drivers when you boil it down like their two biggest gaps are things that can easily be like addressed not easily taught but the teachings can be expedited if the team was behind it. I just don't think the team's going to be able to get behind it in, in a way that, that that's needed uh, soon enough. Um, but let's look real quickly, uh, Chris, at, at kind of the Pierre Gasly, Esteban Ocon. I'm really curious to hear your thoughts here, man. So Pierre Gasly ended the year at number 11 with 62 points and Esteban Ocon ended at P12 with 58 points. This leaves them in... P6 in the Constructor Cup, which uh, is down two positions from their last from last year when they were P4. So all in all, I know we haven't really given Alpine uh, a whole lot of uh, you know focus in the past couple of episodes, but I think it's worth kind of mentioning given the fact that they probably had one of the more significant drops uh, in the past uh, two years. So there's a lot of expectations going into this team. You know, they had a lot of makeup shifts this year. They lost a team principal. They got a new, you know, kind of regime going on. Uh, they did not get the rookie driver that they were expecting to get. In fact, the, you know, rookie driver went somewhere else and did wonderful. Does not look great for them. Uh, they got a promising, you know, lineup with, with two Frenchmen that have their own weird. Uh, I don't know if you heard about Gazi's like radio about how he got pissed when not everyone passed him up, but when Gasly, uh, I'm sorry, when Ocon passed him up, he was like, yo, why the fuck are we doing this? And I was like, dude, everyone kind of, there's like three people passed you up, dog. Why are you pissed that Ocon passed you up? So it, it's, it's, uh, it's just kind of silly, but I'd love to get your overall thoughts on, on, on Alpine, Chris. Do you think that they're, you know, they have so much press around them, given the fact that they have an entire stable of like celebrities that are invested in the team. So they're just getting, whether they like it or not, they're getting a lot of just like, you know, attention at all times, uh, especially in like the high stake, you know, kind of like the, the high brow uh, races. Do you think they're in a position to, to redeem themselves next year? Do you think like this downwards trend and the upward trends of McLaren and Aston Martin are too much to overcome? Where do you think Alpine's going to be, you know, kind of going into next season? Yeah, I mean, I think Alpine has uh, potential. Like, obviously, whenever you go through massive regime changes and, like, they clearly had issues, right, with Atmar and uh, what's his name, Laurent Rossi and, and, and all those guys. Like, there's clearly Laurent, Laurent Rossi. Laurent Rossi. But, yeah, no, the, there's clearly issues uh, in the organization, and they probably had some – leadership quarrels they probably had some uh directional issues and figuring out where they wanted to go as a team and if there's problems at the top then those are going to be filtering down you know lack of inspiration at the bottom lack of morale 
especially like when you see multiple people at the top going and like you feel unstable about your own career and your decisions. So, and like they had the, the driver shakeup. So, you know, I honestly, I would say that the, the performance is, is expected, you know, the performance drop. Um, and also like, you know, as talented as Pierre and Esteban are, like from a driver of the world standpoint, they're obviously an F1. They're both very good. They're not on that caliber of a Max or Lewis or, uh, you know, Lando, even probably Oscar on paper now. And like these guys are just like solid drivers. But um, I, I think that for me, I would probably give Alpine the benefit of the doubt. Like, let's see who they put in the TP role Let's see, you know, how the organization shapes up with this new leadership, all this new investment money from, you know, Ryan Reynolds and other celebrities and things like that. And maybe they can like form a potential championship winning team in the next like few years, like when 2026 hits and we get the massive regulation changes. And I think that there's potential. There's a lot of support with Alpine. There's a lot of money. There's a lot of investment. So I think that there's potential there. Um but I, I think it's going to take a little bit for that to shape up the same as you were talking about Fred Visser and like the effects of Mattia were, you know, we're still there. Although I'm going to have to disagree with you there. Not that he's not great, but you know, he didn't do a good job at alpha. And uh, so far I haven't seen much progress at Ferrari, I think, but I it, mean, the, the stable of, of suitable candidates is not very extensive. Hey, bro, um, Gunther was a mechanic. Like, man, just go grab anyone off the street. You'd be a TP and you'll be good. Just I'll disagree. I'll, I'll agree to disagree on that yeah. one, man. It seems like a pretty hard job. No, yeah, no, it's definitely, you need a lot of expertise across the spectrum. Uh, it's definitely a hard job, a lot of responsibility, and you don't get the bromance. It's so hard, it seems stupid. You like, it seems the... so stupid that, like, someone would, would want to take all that on. Dude, Christian and Toto love that shit. <laughs> I mean, they're also not built like we are, man. I'm built 100%. like like a fucking fiddle. They're built like jet engines, dude. Like much respects to 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 any team, you know, principal that wants to be in that position. I, I have my my hats off to those well, guys. While we're on this topic, real quick, and maybe this is better for next week's call. I'm just curious about your thoughts, real fast, short and sweet. What do you think about the shit stirring that Christian started about Lewis contacting him to try to try for Red Bull, which is like the dumbest. Like I, Lewis would never do that. Listen, they know each other so well. Lewis even called out. He's like, "That's just Christian stirring the pot." Like that's really all it is. And then when he when he addressed it that way, everyone was like, "Oh yeah, totally." It's like it's like Christian has this look and this like kind of way of delivering, which I. I applaud him for that. He has a, it's mystifying almost, but like, if you know what he's kind of like, like you've seen it so many times, right? Like he just like kind of just says things and says, say things and just sees where, 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 where the, where the, you know, where things may land, but he does it like in a kind of strategic way. Um, Lewis like has been around so many times. He, he just knows like what the game is. So uh, I think the way that Christian, uh, picked his words was really particular. Uh, I, I don't think he ever like explicitly said like, "Hey, Lewis reached out to me himself directly and said, you know, he said it in like kind of like a twisty turvy way." Yeah. Uh, so I, look, you know, if it was, <laughs> if he wasn't so good at what he did, I'd like be really pissed. I'd be like, "Yo, what the fuck?" But the guy's really good at what he does. Like Lewis identified it immediately, called it out. You know, I'm not too, too hung up on it. I'm more hung up on the fact that the FIA and the stewards suck at fucking calling races consistently. Um, that's what I, what, what I'm more upset about. This is more like, yeah, like if he said something outlandish, like Lewis Hamilton, like cheated or something like that, then I'd be like, yo, what the hell? But it was like, you know, it was just some dumb shit. You know, Even though it would never happen. I would love to see Lewis versus Max in equal machinery. I mean, just type it in chat GPT. There you go. Hey, chat GPT, who would win in a race? (laughs) Hey, chat GPT, make me a Netflix episode of Lewis Hamilton partnered with Max Max Verstappen. By the way, I'm really curious what's going to happen in Drive to Survive this year. 
because uh not a lot of material max <laughs> just what, what? i mean he, I, I hope that causes them to take the cameras into their back offices more i'm very curious to see how the decision making process like kind of happened with the devries piece of it all like what happened when like alpine like uh, like gasly was like like crashed into like esteban like how that was handled on the back end i'd love to like kind of understand like what does haas do like the entire time like while they're just eating bricks you know like like i, I just love to kind of understand that what does the mclaren like 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 what were the what was the decision making process to get their car from like absolute dog shit missing targets I mean, to where they are you know like that's the kind of shit that i would be really compelled to see yeah, I mean, uh, on, on just real quick on the hostel, like I know we've talked about this ad nauseum, and it makes a lot of sense. But I think I honestly think Gene Haas just runs that team as lean as possible, almost no money. That's why Gunther's an ex mechanic, and you know he picks old drivers that you know are capable of not crashing the car. Uh, they use stock parts from Ferrari, and they just run the team as lean as possible. And even when they get last place, they're making a profit. And so why not? Yeah. I mean, let's start there. Let's start for next year's prediction. We'll go actually up the line real quick, Chris. I'd love to just kind of hear where you're, where you think the, this team's going to be next year. So we'll start with Haas. They finished at P10. Where do you think they're going to be next year? P10. Dead last. Absolutely. I think so too. I think they'll be at P10. They have the same workings as this year. Alfa Romeo at P9. Where do you think they're going to be at next year? Well, they're not existing in F1 next year. So never well, Audi. No, 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 no. Mm. Actually, they're gonna just be. I think Sauber for one year, and then oh, okay. and then Audi. Well, it'll still it'll still be the same. No, uh, I get. I was just messing with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. No, I think Alpha also will probably stay P nine. They're you know they're losing Alpha as the title sponsor, which probably means they're losing some money. They have Audi coming in to take over in uh, twenty six, I believe, or, or twenty five or twenty six. I can't remember. And so it's like I feel like. They have Valtteri and, uh, you know, Guan Yu Zhou. And I, I just don't think there's going to be a lot of fundamental changes. I don't think that they have the technical prowess or the leadership to make a bunch of big moves. So I definitely think yeah. that they're going to just sit there in that P9. Yeah, kind of the, the the point difference between them was 16 and 12. Um, so I actually retract what I said, and, and, and it's because of what you just said, Chris. I think I'm going to put Alfa Romeo or whatever the, the, the Sauber team is going to be called at P10, and I'm going to put Haas at P9. I think they're going to be able to make up that four or five-point delta, uh, especially because Alfa or whatever it is going to become is going to be going through a lot of changes, and I know that can probably affect an organization especially when there's not a whole lot of incentive in within that year to do great i think haas will have at least a little bit of incentive to maybe use that as an excuse to get them and get themselves into a p9 position um alpha tori they came in at p8 with 25 points what do you think they'll be next year this is an interesting one because they are going to be renamed next year as well uh whatever the name hasn't been publicly announced yet although i think there was a leak and it's called the racing bulls uh is the potential leak for the name um that sounds so stupid sounds ridiculous but apparently they're also going to have some sort of big fashion brand attached to the name i don't exactly know what's all going on but you know helmet marco came out and said that enough is enough you know fuck sister teams we're going to cheat, not cheat, but like bend the rules as much as possible and marry these cars as close as we can. So I think, uh, you know, if they play their cards right and they're able to get this card to be, you know, like Red Bull Jr. more than, you know, two separate teams, then I think that they're going to pop up the standings a little bit uh, and get up to P7, P6, um, potentially even P5, depending on what Aston uh if Aston Martin can bring uh an upgraded car to the table and stuff like that but I definitely think that uh they're going to move up the standings um as long as Yuki and Danny Rick can keep progressing yeah I think they're actually gonna go up into that p7 p6 position given um I actually think they'll still hmm. I think you're right I think given the fact that Yuki and Danny are in position they have Liam Lawson in the back uh as a reserve driver i think that might put them in position to overseed williams and alpine uh given that williams uh only has one consistent driver i don't expect logan to score much more than you know potentially five to six points next year 
uh, as a sophomore. Alpine Renault, um, you know, uh, I definitely see them going down to the P7 spot. Uh, just kind of given the fact that, I don't know, I, I think Alpine has a higher ceiling than other teams do, but I think on the flip side, they also have a lower floor than than Alpha Tori, but probably a, a higher floor than Williams. So I'm going to slot them in at, at P7, Williams in at P8 here. I think it'll be it'll be Alpha, Haas, um, Williams, Alpine. I think Alpha Tori has a high ceiling here, going into P six. I don't think they have high of a ceiling as Aston Martin's floor at P five. So so that's what my current bottom from the bottom up looks like. Does that does that mirror what what does your bottom look like, Chris? It seems like yours is more of a Haas. Alpha, what would you say? Williams is next. Do you think Alpha so Tori has? We're gonna go. We're gonna go Haas Sauber, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. we're gonna put. I'm gonna put Williams down there, not because okay. I don't trust in my boy Albon, but because Logan's gonna keep them down. I don't okay. think he's gonna get any better. And then we're gonna go. Okay. Um, I'm actually gonna put. Let's see. I mean, I have zero hopes for uh aston martin next year i definitely think that wow with with lawrence selling some of the stake with them maintaining stroll and with the progress that they've made at the end of the year because they made the majority of their points during you know fernando's podium stretch at the beginning of the season and where they are right now i don't see them being able to continue progressing and bring that level of dominance to the beginning of next season so mm-hmm. I'm gonna put I'm gonna put uh, Aston Martin, uh, you know, up in that, you know, P7 slot, Alpine above them, and then uh, I'm gonna put uh, was it R- the Racing Bulls, Hugo Boss, Tag Hewer, whatever team in the P5 slot. Okay. Okay. Wow. No. No hope for Aston Martin. I, I'm going to keep Aston Martin where they're at. Unfortunately, I think they're going to stay in that P5 position, man. I think McLaren made some strides this year. Uh, I think with Lance Stroll kind of anchoring them down. Hey, Lance Lance Boy got, got P10, I think, in the, in the driver's uh, standings this year. So... As much as we as much as we knocked on him, that 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 goatee really really helped him out. I think. Um, yeah, so, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe the aerodynamics yeah, of the goatee. I, I think so. I think it offsets the the ego trip that's going on upstairs. Maybe. I guess Wimbledon um, will have to wait. Yeah, yeah. Maybe the year after. <laughs> uh, so I'm gonna keep Aston Martin where they're at P5. I think the rest of the pack looks pretty much like what I think is gonna look like next year. I think McLaren is gonna maybe make a couple steps forward uh i think they they also have a decent ceiling i think they have i think more than the ceiling i think they have a low floor at this point i think this year they started off with a really low floor and they were able to make some strides to get that up uh, i think they have some they have a low floor at the moment they have a decent ceiling it's not too high given the fact that ferrari's also been making some adjacent strides i think mercedes uh they'll they'll whip it into shape given the fact that even you know like you mentioned with the shit concept car they're pulling like p3 in the constructor or p2 in the constructors camp uh, uh, championship and they're fighting for podiums you know consistently in, in some of these races at least one of the drivers are uh <laughs> i think the the rest of the 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 the, the standings will stand the way that they are my hope is that there's not going to be a 400 plus point delta between p1 and p2 i don't think that's the hopes of the fia either or any of the fans uh, you being a Red Bull fan, let me know, Chris. What are your thoughts on the last on the on the top five standings? Um, uh, for, for I mean, sure. I think it, honestly, I think it all hinges on whether Toto and team can nail the car, nail the W15. I think if Toto and team nail the car, I think the standings basically stay pretty much the same. Uh, although I'd say it's very possible to flip flop McLaren and Ferrari uh, if that's the case, because McLaren had a really massive, you know, jolt up mid season. And if they had that car from day one, they probably uh, end up P3 and potentially even P2 in the standing. So if Mercedes nails the car, I think we're going to be like Red Bull Mercedes and then, you know, toss that third and fourth for McLaren Ferrari. But if Mercedes 
completely shits the bed and creates another zero pod monstrosity. I think it's possible McLaren could get P2 in the in the constructors. Um, and then we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, it's so hard to predict where Ferrari and, and Mercedes are going to land um, in McLaren just because, like, they're all championship-winning teams. They're all, like, ready to go. They all have the prowess and the, the knowledge and the engineers. It just really depends on their execution level and the kind of the decisions they make. But I definitely think Red Bull is going to stay number one. The scariest part is that like Adrian Newey has like publicly come out and said like the 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 RB19 is like nowhere near max potential in these regulations and like we've we've already figured out a ton of flaws and the RB20 is going to fix all those and it's like holy yeah fuck. I, I mean I mean I, that is scary to think about in a vacuum I think what we don't shine a whole light on and and I don't know why we don't but. Ferrari and Mercedes really missed the mark this year. They really missed the mark this year. For sure. They, they, th- this, this is a lot, uh, not to take anything away from Red Bull, man. Like they, those motherfuckers put up a hell of a car. They put up consistently great uh, races, consistent, like, and reliable pit stops. You know, they might not always be the best, but they ended up getting the trophy for the most amount of, of, of pit stops that that was done in like a sub two or some something to that effect but it's it's just they were able to put together a really good season across all fronts so so i'm not taking anything away from that but dude mercedes and ferrari totally missed the mark this year in terms of performance like max was able to get away with it in in, in more than one situation and and granted in certain instances is due to like a lack of aggression from someone like charles or whatever but you know mercedes didn't have straight line speed wasn't reliable ferrari dealt with a lot of reliability issues this year with like the car just breaking down it's just as mclaren made some strides right but it was too little too late right all the cars were so massively inconsistent except red bull like red bull had one track that they were absolute shitbox on which was singapore they just could not get that car fired up in Singapore. And they called that out at the very beginning of the season. They said Singapore is going to be our worst race. We know it. It sucks. Whatever. But Mercedes, like, they had, like, a really good race. And, like, they were looking really strong. And we were like, holy shit. And then, like, two races later, they're like a shitbox is slow again. No yeah, speed. Absolute ass. And that was happening with all three of those teams. When, like, even, even McLaren, like, Lando was getting back-to-back-to-back podiums. And then just, like one race was just like p5 or whatever and it's just like it just couldn't do any better just like so like you said these teams like just don't figure out these regulations so like you said if they can unlock that potential to keep the car a lot more consistent then hopefully someone can take the fight to red bull even if they do improve their car right uh you know uh i guess all things considered not not the the most boring uh uh, Abu Dhabi uh, definitely had. If you're looking in all the right places, there's there's still competition happening. Uh, there is a great drop off after that. Uh, but let's let's we'll, we'll expand on this more, Chris, on a on a follow up episode to wrap up the year. We'll we'll invite a couple of folks from from the season to to join us and 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 talk through it. But let's talk about our winners, losers, and hot seats. So, you know. Uh, We'll kick us off with with, with Red Bull uh, and both of our winners, uh, and and you know easily so they put together a 19 win season for Max. I think it was like 20 wins altogether, 21, 20 wins, right, Chris, altogether. Well, uh, 19 for Max and two for Sergio. Oh, uh, so 21? so tw- 21 wins. Yeah, I mean, it, just a great season for them. Uh, Chris, I'll let you expand on it. You're the fan here. Go for it. I mean, they can't really expand on it. It's, it is what it is. They, you know, pr- probably will never be beaten. Although you could never say never. Like, you can always have a 100% win rate. But, like, with 22 races in the season, um, that's insane to win 19 of 22 uh, uh, with one of your drivers, two of the rest, and only giving one race away to Ferrari. Um, it's just kind of mind-blowing to even think about. So, uh, potentially not going to be beaten. I won't say never because you never know, but it's a record that's going to stand a long time. We'll talk more about all the freaking records that Max broke this year. It's a long, insane list. 
But, you know, hats off to them. What an amazing season. And I think the one call out here is that hats off to them for not giving up, like not winning the championship and taking the foot off the gas and just kind of coasting. Uh, they went for the, you know, the jugular right into the end of the season. So proud of these guys. And uh, But I do want to see a little bit more of uh, 2021 back because I, I don't want it to be an easy coast for the next three years. No one does. Uh, I'm going to add Yuki Sonoda to to the mix. Uh, you know, he 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 had probably one of the most stressful seasons. Uh, if Sergio Perez wasn't around on the grid this this year, you know, he had two. He's essentially the incumbent. You know, with two very well back suitors trying to 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 gun for his role or or you know potentially you know out position him from that d1 seat it's not like he's completely out of the waters but him being able to stay you know qualify well and then stay ahead of hamilton and and stroll and get into p8 um it, it, I don't think it goes unnoticed. I think like the Red Bull team is seeing that and understanding that he is a he's a good driver to to benchmark that car off of and, and a driver that they can rely on. And you know his little uh, kind of nod to, to to Franz Toast like in the beginning of the the race was really nice and showed some maturity there. Uh, I don't know who the the team principal is going to be coming into next season, but you know it, it's it's. I'll give him a, a place in my winner circle this week, just given the fact that, you know, he really did uh, kind of differentiate himself from Danny Ricardo. Um, me, me, I don't think uh, Liam. That was Lawson a uh, was... cameo surprised guest from Luna, right? That was. Yeah, she, she, she's, she's, a, she's a shaker. Um, but you know, what if Liam Lawson was there, would he have had, a, uh, the same season? Less left to be seen. But all things considered, I'm gonna put Yuki up there in my winner circle as well. Um, I, I let's mean, talk about losers. Yeah, yeah. Well, he uh, he led a race, man. Like that's a. He he led the race. He led, he the, led race the race. That's a, you, mm-hmm. you can't yes. take that away from him now. He's a Formula One driver who led a race. Who's a race leader, you know? That's, I think he uh, was driver of the day too. I'm not 100 percent sure. I know he was uh leading it for a while. Um I think he won it, but yeah, no, uh props to Yuki. I know he's had kind of some ups and downs and and everything like that, but it, it, if the car does improve next year, it'll be good to see where he's at in that car. Yeah, uh, looking forward to to seeing his development next year. Losers this week, uh, you know, Carlos Sainz. Uh, we we talked about him a little bit at length. I think this race was the defining moment uh, to to get in position for for P two for Ferrari, and his lack of performance. Uh, you know, you can flub it up to the engineering team. Uh, I don't think it was wholly on him, but definitely just just kind of uh, missed uh, missed the par there. Uh, and I'm gonna put Lando Norris for the same reasons, you know, like he could have gotten into a position to to at least fight for a P4 position or a P3 or P5 position by a point, just missed out. Uh, and and you know, it, it was just not the worst race in the world, but definitely wasn't his best outing. Uh, who do you have for your losers this week, Chris? Basically, just Ferrari. Like I uh, like obviously Charles getting P2. Like it's not loser loser worthy but for someone like charles like he tried everything in his power to like make everything work except for you know being aggressive i think he could be a little bit better here i think he's leaving a lot of chips on the table um and i just i think he could do better and so but the main reason why he's in the loser column is just because he drives for a team that won't let him do burnouts it's like come on man let him have some fun after this year so uh, but yeah, I think Ferrari just overall between Leclerc and Sainz uh, just kind of had a little bit of a rough race, a rough season, and uh, ho- hopefully they could do a little bit better next year. Yeah, uh, let's split the difference on this hot seats. Uh, we both got the same hot seats. Uh, let's start with Haas. Chris, what do you, you got to say about Haas? Yeah, I just, uh, you know, 
it's one of those things a lot of people question why are they even on the grid they don't seem to try they don't seem to like upgrade they don't seem to do anything other than just take their car around the track so um yeah i i think if nothing changes uh then the fai really needs to take a look at like letting in that andretti or having another team on the grid because uh at the moment it does actively feel like we have nine teams on the grid maybe even eight at times but yeah um, so i, I yeah. just think they need to do something different i think they're saving grace next year is just what we talked about is the the inner workings that are changing a sauber uh it's probably going to be the only thing that they're going to be able to use to get a, a leg up for next season uh whether they stay that leg up or keep going up is probably doubtful uh just given the culture of that team and the lack of investment uh but you know, maybe that is greener pastures uh, in in their minds. Uh, so so yeah, I'm 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 on page with you. I'm on the same page as uh, as you on Haas. Uh, Logan Sargent is another one that's on both of our hot seats. Uh, you know, I I definitely still stick with the thought that he will lose his seat mid next season if this continues. I think there's just enough grace from James Val's side to let him kind of stick on through the first half of next season. Um, that's really all I got to say about that. Man. I, I, I feel I, like I think I feel like we've 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 kind of beat this with the you know with the stick a few times, but but go for it. Expand on this. I feel like there has to be some sort of like power struggle at the top of the Williams organization or disagreement because James Vallis has appeared to be incredibly supportive of Logan Sargent for a while now but he still hasn't publicly confirmed him after the season is over. So that's very telling that like, even though he's basically given him all the support and he's used language, like see you next year, buddy, or whatever like that, there's not confirmed him in the seat. And that's a little like, I would be, it's almost offensive. Like if you're Logan Sargent, like you're, you're letting the world know that I that I suck from your perspective, that you don't have faith in me, which is obviously obvious to a lot of us that he's he's not doing well and stuff like that. But it's like, either confirm me or don't. Like, what are you waiting for? Like, are they waiting for to see if a driver opens up? I think all the available drivers are either in other disciplines or signed to other teams or whatever it is. So, like, either confirm me or don't. But, like, so I feel like either James Vowles is pushing hard and like the board at Williams is like, you need to prove to us that why? Because he sucks. Or, uh, you know, there's something else going on behind the scenes. Who knows? I do think that he will drive for them next year. And I, I will agree with you that at first opportunity that there is a promising talent that will take the seat. Because I don't think they want another rookie. I don't think that they want another scenario where they have to have Logan Sargent in the seat Man, put fucking Nico Hulkenberg in that seat, man. Yeah, dude. Like, put like, oh, dude, Nico would be great in there because he's fast. The car's fast in a straight line. Like, that would be. He's, yeah, he's reliable. Like, you could listen to like his like input. Like, like man, just Logan Sargent. Like, he just doesn't. There's nothing else going on for him as well. Like, like it's it, it's a hard job. I get it, but we scrutinize quarterbacks that suck even if it's for a season it's, it's it's tough when you're being measured against someone like oscar piastri who just gunned it this year your saving grace is essentially the fact that nick devries was also on the grid this year and just completely <laughs> ate shit um i mean you know it, 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 maybe maybe they they are in a position where they have they could have the patience to be able to let him have one more year but yeah i think you're right i think a veteran would do well for them especially knowing that albon's probably going to sign with another team i think they need to have the bullpen ready for for a, a good talent to come in there american talent pool is pretty slim right now but you know the the, the f2 championships just kind of ended so maybe there's um maybe we'll need to look into that chris a little bit more and, and kind of think of that as a part of our as a part of our wrap-up episode is who could be some replacements that that come from the f2 f3 stables yeah let's do it let's do it all right chris well take us out yeah i mean so like i said at the beginning it's bittersweet the the season has come to an end we're gonna have you know a, a decently short break because we're gonna have what 24 races next season which is 
kind of insane to think about. We could talk about that too in the in the wrap up episode. But uh, it's been great doing this um, with you. I love uh, I love watching the sport. I love being able to chat about it. And um, you know, sad that the season's ending, but excited for the possibilities of what's to come next year. And uh, you know, for everyone listening, um, you know, seriously, like I'm gonna be fine. I'm good looking. I got, you know, I'm stable. I am struggling. So please support him. Please. Now, all jokes aside, we love it. We like to expand our listeners. Please like, subscribe, give us a shout out. We'd love to hear. We want some fan questions we can answer on the air. Fanteamradio at gmail.com. Please send us anything you want. We'll take gifts to cookies, whatever you got. Happy holidays. And uh, see you guys uh, next week for a wrap up episode. And then looking forward to next year. Yeah, it's been a fun season. Uh, it's our inaugural season for the show. Hopefully, we got a couple of you guys to stick around. Um, there's a lot that Chris and I learned this season, so we'll capitalize on that in next season, have a much more polished product. Uh, but just uh, want to make sure you guys understand that we are coming from a place of learning and from being able to just share our newfound fandom with F1, with uh, like-minded folks. Uh, especially if you're an American, you know, if there's something that you hear from our side that is not being vocalized enough, or if you're hearing something from our side that is uh, completely wrong, let us know. You know, we are definitely um, hope, hoping to engage more with the community. Uh, hit us up, fanteamradio uh, at gmail.com. Uh, we'll, we'll keep this rolling into next season. We'll have a wrap up episode, uh, in a week or so, uh, we'll invite Nadim and Sam on to, to talk a little bit more uh, about F1 and their thoughts on the season. So until then, uh, much love and good luck. I do some burnouts, okay? No burnouts, please. No burnouts to the grid. Oh, not even this, for fuck's sake.